Fam bam, welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. Today, I have on a clinical psychologist who became a ayahuasca, I guess, host, because I don't think that she would use the term shaman. Um, her name is G. Uh, if you want to see how to spell her name, you can go on uh, the podcast and check out the spelling, but this is not a name that I will attempt to pronounce. Um, but she is a beautiful soul, and it was really a pleasure to talk to someone who had the Western upbringing, has the clear, incisive intellect, and then who has danced with something like ayahuasca dozens and dozens of times. You are going to feel the energy that comes from that type of human in her voice and the way that she speaks. And it was beautiful. And um, in hindsight, I can see that these last couple of podcasts, I think served as big inspiration for me about going and doing ayahuasca. And that is where I will be as you're hearing this podcast for the first time, if you're listening to it the day it came out. So please send me some love. Um, and if you would like to support the podcast, the two most direct ways that you can do that are to please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't. Uh, that helps me get more amazing guests on. And then just to share in whatever way feels organic to you this podcast. Maybe that's a story on Instagram or a link on Twitter or a post on Facebook or maybe in an email or a text or whatever. If you think this episode will help someone, please share it. As always... I love you guys. I'm so grateful that I get to live this life and to be able to podcast and that you guys listen. Um, so I hope that you have a beautiful day. Thank you for checking out the podcast and Namaste. It's okay. Okay. Let's dance. G, thank you for coming on the podcast. And also thank you for allowing me to call you G instead of trying to pronounce your name. For everyone listening, could you please pronounce your name for everybody? Yes, my my name is Geke. It's a really Dutch name. And how do you say your last name? Dijkstra. It's also a really Dutch name. <laughs> I appreciate that you allow me to call you G because it would have <laughs> yeah, been... Yeah, no problem. I'm used to it. So um, for people to kind of get an orientation of the beautiful dance or music that I'm in front of right now, um, if someone were to ask you who you are and what you do, how would you respond? Okay, I'm um, a woman. I'm 46 years old. I am a wife of a beautiful husband. I'm a mother of a beautiful son. And, um, yeah, what do I do? My work is, uh, I work with groups of people and, uh, I work with a medicine plant, ayahuasca, and I organize, I organize retreats, um, with the medicine plants. But, um, yeah, for me, it's really important that it's not just the ceremonies, but we also have a day of preparation and days of integration. So, the work, like the ceremonies, are really embedded in a whole process. Yeah, so that would be my short answer. <laughs> How would your best friend describe you and what you do? Um, describe me or, or, or what I do? Both. 
Okay, both. Um, I think she would describe me as uh, sensitive and uh, open-minded and free spirit and um, compassionate. Yeah, and I think what she would describe what I'm doing is to uh, facilitate um, retreats and spaces where people can um, heal and get real and open up and reconnect with their essence. How would your husband describe you and what you do? <laughs> oh, well, I, think, I think the first thing he would say is that I'm really sexy because I always forget to mention <laughs> that myself. So <laughs> when I describe myself, you forget to mention sexy. So awesome. I'll start with that. Yeah. Um, I think um, a, a really big heart, he would mention that, a, a really great mother, um, a passionate um curious and i think also open-minded and i think he would also describe me as wise yeah and what i do um yeah so that i yeah that i do work um yeah with with an open heart and also to invite other people and welcome other people to connect with their hearts and their souls and their essence and um yeah, facilitating, I think, an, a, an environment of acceptance. I think that that's what he would say. Yeah, and that I'm good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> How would your mother describe you and what you do? Um, my mother would, first of all, say that I'm, 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 I'm sweet and kind. Um I think she would describe me as uh, courageous and um, caring, I think. Um, and what I do, well, my mother actually um, drank ayahuasca herself, so she has a pretty wow. good idea now what I do, but she didn't do it in a group. So she probably also say that I'm doing soul work. Yeah. And yeah. how would your father describe you and what you do? Uh, my father, um, also kind and sweet. He would start with that. Um, independent. And I think he would also say that I have a, a mind of my own or a will of my own. I don't know. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what I do, um, how would he describe it? I think he would describe it as that, uh, that he wouldn't really know how to describe it, but does, that he knows that I'm doing what is um, good for me and aligned with my heart. Yeah. And how would Mother Ayahuasca describe you and what you do? Mm -hmm. um, well, that's, that surprised me because the question touches me. Um, I, I think she would describe me as humble and um, with pure intentions. And um, I hope she would say that she's proud of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. What do you recall as the first memory that you've had in this life? Yeah, well, the, the, um, the, because I have the, the really first memory I have, I don't have any emotions attached to them because I heard you talk about this before. That's, that's when I, we were going to move and they were building our new house. So I saw the foundations of that house, but I have no recollection, recollection of any memory attached to that. But that's the first memory I can uh, recall. How old are you? I think I was two and a half, something mm. like that, or three. And when I was a little bit older, then 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 I can remember that we got our first dog, a puppy. And then I'm standing on the couch together with my brother and my sister. And we are really, really excited. And, and the puppy is also really excited and tries to get, get to our feet and, and, and sniff at it and licking at it and we are really excited and also a bit anxious, you know. It's a combination of excitement and and a bit of like, ooh, that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And we had a white couch. I, I can remember that really vividly. And we're standing on it with the three of us. Yeah. And what was, and was your primary emotion the anxiety and excitement or was that the puppy or both? No, mine. Yeah, I think the puppy was only ex- <laughs> excited. <laughs> And mine was was this mixture of like when you go to um, like uh, I don't know if you call that in America like uh, the carnival you know you look you go right. in like all the attractions you have this fear mm. this mixture of oh um, <laughs> so yeah that was my uh, emotion the mixture of of, of of fear is too 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 big of an expression yeah. it's more like. Yeah, excitement, but also a bit. Oh, maybe he's going to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what. Yeah, that that's that's the best I can describe it. Yeah. What's the first story that you remember really grabbed you as a child, either from a television show or a movie or a book or an orally told story? Um, what was the first one that you remember really grabbing your attention as a child? Yeah. Well, the, the for me, what was really. Um, really uh, big when I, I, I was six years six years old I was in the first I don't know how you called it in America but we call it the first class of elementary school yeah and my teacher told us uh, the whole story of the Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings but she told oh, wow. us every day a little piece of it so she didn't read from the book but she told it in her own words so we could we could uh, comprehend it and that's I love that yeah that was big, and she did for two years. So every day, a little piece. Wow. Yes, and she made beautiful paintings on the on the on the blackboard. So I remember, I still remember Whoa. that she draw a uh, like the the house of the Hobbit. I don't know how you say that in English, and she draw yeah. that on the board, and we were all like, "What's that? What's going on? What's going on? You know what is going to happen?" And then she started to. Um, to tell that story yeah and it took two years yeah wow that is so yeah. cool that your teacher did that that's beautiful yeah i think so too yeah yeah so this is going to be kind of a challenging question but i would like for you to let's say that you were going to tell the story of the hobbit in a couple of minutes to your son and let's say that he's 10 and he's smart and he's curious and he's mm-hmm. asking for a bedtime story how would you tell the story of the Hobbit to him if it was kind of a good night story? 
Okay, and it was both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, huh? Because it was one big story. You only want me to tell The Hobbit or both? You can pick whatever part of the story that you would tell your son. And so maybe there's like a specific story within that story that you think would resonate with him the most. But I'm just curious yeah, what okay. part of it pops up and how you would tell it. Yeah, well, what really pops up is that um, there's this creature called the hobbit and if he, he finds a ring a magical ring and when he puts it on he 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 turns invisible so no one else can see him and then he 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 has all these adventures and with dwarves and a dragon and a treasure and and um then his um like his relative inherits the ring and then it turns out to be like there's this really dark wizard who um created the ring and he wants it back because then he's in power and he can destroy the whole world or have the whole world in control. And so this little hobbit, he sets out to get the ring back to where it was created because it has to, to go back. It can only be destroyed where it was created. And um, there's this creature where the ring once belonged to who, who is following him because he's really like addicted to the ring and wants it back. And, mm. uh, what I really vividly remembered is that when you put the ring on, um, that you, that the, the the followers of this this um, this this wizard, uh, they call the Black Riders. They they can then feel and sense you, and they sense the ring. And those Black Riders for me were really like, oh, that's really scary, and really oh, like they got caught all the time, uh, almost, uh, and then they escaped again. And they have a lot of adventures, and I remember very vividly the creature who had the ring at first, who's called Gollum, and um, and I rem remember really vividly that he's then standing at the uh, fire where the ring was made, and he has to throw it back in, the Hobbit does, and then he's hesitating, and he puts the ring on his finger, and then Gollum comes, and he bites off his finger with the ring, because he really wants it so much, and then he's... He, falls into the fire and the ring is destroyed together with Gollum and then there's this big happy ending but I don't remember that's that much I of course saw the movie so it's a bit um, mixed up but yeah I remember really vividly the end that 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 he bite off that finger uh, with the ring to because he was so obsessed by it and then it's all yeah this, the spell is broken and it's all good and good. All, no, I don't know that. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing that really resonates with me is that there seems to be this current in the story about um, like what happens when you give in to the dark mm -hmm. side of human nature mm -hmm. and that it kind of can, like if you chase that path of sensual desires in an addictive way or, you know, like addictive chemicals or mm -hmm. any of the yearnings of the ego that mm -hmm. um, it destroys you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. It does. And it, but it's also what I, I love. And it's like I said, it's, it's hard because it's, yeah, my memories of course have been contained by the other movies and reading the book when I was older. But what I, what I, love about the story is also that you have this you can understand Gollum as well you know you can yeah. understand why he wants 
and how it's it's and I, I like that about stories that it's it's not all black and white. It's quite black and white, Lord of the Rings. But in a sense, it's not all black and white. It's it's you can, nuanced. yeah, it's nuanced, and you can understand, and you, and you know also you see how Frodo gets into the like like in the spell of that ring and you can really understand it and you can relate to it. Um, and yeah, I love that. I've always loved that in stories that the bad guys are not just the bad guys and the good guys are not just the bad, the good guys that there's nuance. Yes. And that you absolutely. Can and yeah. yeah, I think that a cool thing that I'm seeing in culture is that um, characters are getting more and more nuanced because it seems like yeah. the collective consciousness is getting more and more nuanced. And yeah. we no longer really resonate with any movie or story where there's an all good character and an all bad character and they battle yeah. because that's just not what we see mirrored in real no. life. Um, no. I'm, I'm curious as a young, you know, like as a child, like what were your passions? Yeah. So what were you drawn to um what were the things that you were pursuing you know between the ages of like when you started elementary school and then you got into um high school mm -hmm. um well in elementary school i was what i was really into was being outside i was always playing outside and um fantasizing a lot so for example i had to walk to my elementary school and i think it was like 10 minutes or 15 minutes but i was always taking different routes and 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 making up stories while walking there and um, um so i yeah i loved playing outside and i i read a lot i read uh, i think all the books in the library that were uh, available wow. yeah I, I, and i all the fairy tales and 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 yeah, so I love to to read when I was a child. So that that what what pops up. Um, and I. What was your favorite that. fairy tale as a child? Because I was also the weird kid that was in the library, and I read all the books on mythology mm -hmm. that we had in yeah. our elementary school. Yeah, um, yeah. What was my favorite fairy tale? Um, yeah, there's there's this one you have. With two sisters, you have, I don't uh, one was, uh, I don't know, yeah, with two sisters, and they live with their mother in the woods, and then the prince is coming, I don't, something like that. I don't even know what it's called anymore. That's the one that pops up now. I wasn't really into the, like, the, the more regular ones, who the, the well-known ones, like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. I, that was, I, I loved the, the ones who were not that known to the big public. I love to discover, like, the, the yeah. yeah the new ones and the not so well known ones and um, yeah I really don't know what was my I I loved always stories with princesses and queens and 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 mm -hmm. but almost every fairy tale has that so um, <laughs> yeah I don't know if I'm, there's a specific one comes to mind no. That's okay. I'm I'm curious. What was your first kind of creative outlet? Like, were you a writer? Were you a painter? Were you singing? Were you dancing? What was your first like way of expressing your creativity? I I think it was dancing and singing and something to do with music. Um, no, 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 no. Going through the back, it was drawing. Yeah, it, interesting. Me too. Drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of drawings. Yeah. And so what was kind of the path that brought you to um, really start to study psychology? Because you have um, 
you're a clinical psychologist. You're also mm -hmm. a transpersonal psychologist. You've been mm -hmm. certified in breath work and body work and voice dialogue. And so I'm mm -hmm. curious, can you kind of like weave the story for us from childhood to you finding that like this was your path? Yeah, well, it was funny how it went because when I was in high school, I, I had really no clue what what to do and I, I really and then I started uh, started out I went to university and studied law for a year because everybody said yeah when you study law you can do everything afterwards you know it's like a basic solid uh, education and then in that year I, I liked it I liked studying law but then I was like yeah I don't think this is it and then I think for the first time in my life I really made this independent decision to change and yeah. to start um, uh, doing psychology. And the only really thing I felt, I was really young at that time, was really like, yeah, I, I really lo I, I really like people and I like, I, I'm curious about how people think and how people feel. And I'm, I was always curious about backgrounds and different backgrounds of, of people I met and how they perceive, perceive the world uh, differently than, than I or maybe the same. But I remember that I didn't discuss it beforehand with like my parents or my sister or my brother or my friends. It was really an independent decision to change. And that, that was quite a, a thing for me. Um, so and then I, I studied, uh, studied uh, clinical psychology at university and I liked it. But I also always felt like someone something was missing because it was a lot of theory. And of course, you learn right. to think way at university but I always felt like yeah but this is not really what I thought it would be because I would really like to work with people and understand them and and so that also my first jobs I, I felt all the time like something is missing but I didn't know what it was until I a friend of mine who who did um, transpersonal um, uh, training education of four years and um when I started doing that, I felt like, oh, yeah, because that was much more experience-based. And it was also really about discovering your own inner world so you can understand other people better. And I, I really missed that at university. So for me, that was beautiful. And it was also with a lot of body work and breath work. And and, and, uh, uh, and about what age are you here? Um, when I – I think I was 24. 25 26 when i did the transpersonal uh, studies and for, yeah. and for people yeah. who might not know how would you describe transpersonal psychology mm. yeah how do you describe that um yeah, for me, it was it, it is really about it goes beyond the personal, so it's 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 it's, it's really. Yeah, how do I describe that? I always find it difficult to find words for it. But, but for me, is it when you really go inwards and, and, and discover your own inner world more, you always you also get to the place that there's more than the personal, that there's something that transcends the personal, that, that goes beyond that, and, and like the collective and, 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 and that field. And you learn to work with that as well, that we are, we're so much more than our, our own small person. Yeah, uh, but it starts with that, and um, and yeah, for me, like I said, it. What for me was really important that it was really experience based, 
I, I really feel that you can talk for hours and hours and hours and read books for hours and hours and hours, but in the end, you really have to embody it and experience uh, uh, things that you, so you can really understand it, not only with your mind, but also with your heart and with your soul and with your whole body. Yeah. And what are the practices that you have found that um, help people have the personal experience? It sounds like breath work is one. Um, when you say body work, which I assume is another one, what do you mean? Yeah, well, it's in, in, in breath work, you also do a lot of body work. So the breath work I use is not, uh, you can do it by yourself, but I also work with individuals and uh, in groups. And then the body work is also that you touch the body at certain points to help because breath work is really helping to um, overcome certain blockages in the body. Um, so the energy wants to flow freely, but we all have blockages because of our upbringing and conditioning and traumas in the body. So, yeah, it's really um, helping and uh, supporting the process of the breath work to release and to open up more. So it's really like you use trigger points or some call it de-armoring, you know, like, and it's really yeah. softly touching points at the body. Um, but I also say body work is because I do a lot with dance as well. And, oh, with wow. um, and that's for me is also body work. It's really, for me, one of the, uh, the the essential things in a preparation day also before a ceremony is that i try to get people more into their bodies instead of only in their heads so dance and movement and breath work and and and, and pressure points in the armoring are all ways to accomplish that yeah of course combined with awareness like yeah yeah. And so you got a degree in transpersonal psychology. Was the next kind of step in your development, was it voice dialogue or was it finding ayahuasca? What was the next step for you? Yeah, well, I don't have, I work with voice dialogue. I don't have, like, I'm not officially certified in it yet, but I have I a lot of experience with it. Um, no, I first uh, encountered ayahuasca. Yes, that was... Uh, I think now nine years ago. And it's also really, for me, a really like kind of an example how a lot of things uh, are go uh, uh, happen in my life because I was totally, I'd never heard of it. Uh, and I met some people and um, at a dance workshop and we, can, we became sort of friends. And, and then after a couple of weeks or months, I found out that they worked with ayahuasca. So I said to my husband, oh, they work with uh, some kind of medicine plan. It's called ayahuasca. And my husband said, oh, I always wanted to do that, you know. So, oh, let's. Uh, and so he um, then uh, did uh, an individual ceremony with, uh, with a guide. We call it guides or a facilitator. And he asked me if, he, if I wanted to be there with him because he felt it's going to be probably really profound in my life. And I want you to be there so you can witness it and we can experience it together. And, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, that was really beautiful. And I was really like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I was really scared about like, oh my God, I'm going to lose control and it's really scary stuff. And so I was really not into it, but I, I really f wanted to be there for him. And yeah, then, then he did the ceremony and I, I felt the energy of the plant and, 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 and of him while under the influence or of the ayahuasca. And I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And I could really feel like in, 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 in my 
core, in my essence, this is this is good. You know, this is this is really good and healing and helpful and profound and amazing. And so then one month after that, I I had my first ceremony with him present, and yeah, that was like yeah, mind literally mind blowing, literally yeah. mind blowing. And I I. I could feel, and that's also one of the reasons I started working with it really organically and gradually. I was absolutely not the first time that I did it. Like, oh, I have to work with this. That that happened later on. But what I did feel at that, when I was present with him, but also with my first ceremony, is that it's such a loving energy. It's always towards love and towards wholeness and towards, and it's not easy and it can be really confronting and really tough love. Yeah, so it's not huffy fluffy, but it can be, but most of the time it's not. But it's always towards, yeah, love that's and light and healing and wholeness. And, and, and yeah, I can still feel that working with the medicine plant every time and again. The moment I don't feel that anymore, I will stop working with it. And so this might be going backwards for a moment, but um, at what age did you meet your husband and what was that like? Um, I met him when I, I think I was 25. I'm not that good with numbers in years, but we were 18 years together now. So I met him when I was not probably a little bit older, 27, 28. Um, and I was totally not into men at that time time I, was like, oh, I, I i just want to be single for a while i came out of a relationship and, and was like it didn't end very well and i i had a year of of like really being single and living by myself and i was like yeah i'm gonna continue this for a while but yeah he saw me and he was like blown off his feet right away and i was like yeah hmm. not i was not <laughs> Yeah, I was not really that interested, but I was looking for a house in the in the town he was living, and he was going to move, so he had a house to offer. So the moment I heard that, I was interested. You know, I was like, yes. <laughs> so, um, and that's how we we met, and 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 um, it started out really first by talking a lot, lots and lots and lots, and and and. Yeah, we, we had lots of phone calls and, and um, but that, yeah, that, that turned into really falling in love for me. Um, and then he got scared, because <laughs> he was really overwhelmed because I was really in love. So then he backed out and he broke up with me. And uh, well, but it was the first man in my life. I remember that really vividly. I had my sister on the phone and I was heartbroken because he, he broke up with me. And I said to her, but I know this is the one. And I've and, and that, there was this voice in my head saying, yeah, but every woman who's been, you know, dumped says that. <laughs> but I could really feel it that he was the one. So I, I was like, yeah. And he, he came back. So what um, was the moment that you knew that he was the one? Um I think I knew when he broke up with me. Yeah, that was sounds really strange, but because I, I was really, there was a lot of heart ache and and pain. But it was it was more than just like the personal or ego thing of you know being rejected and losing. I could really feel like yeah, it was like a, a soul thing. 
And at that time, I was much more skeptical than I am right now. I have a really strong skeptical side, especially then. But I could really feel it within all my, like, my being. Well, this is my man. Wow. uh, Yeah. So it was, um, I think that uh, maybe I knew that before, but when he broke up with me and I was in such a heartache, then I that I would, I could really feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And now we fast forward again to the first time that you did ayahuasca. How did that change uh, your life? Like what changed after that first ceremony? Yeah, for me, I had my first ceremony was so complete that I've, of course, done many ceremonies after that. Not not even that many or a lot of people think I've done 50 or more ceremonies. That's not the case because I only think the ayahuasca which is really calling me. But my first ceremony was so complete. It was, I still have moments now in my life, it's nine years ago that, that something happens in my life that I can relate back to that ceremony. It's like, and it was in a personal, in a personal way, but also transpersonal. I, 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 I I literally was there when the, when the, when the, when the big bang was there, or I don't know even how to call it. And I, I, I cannot describe it, but it was so full and so complete. And I remember coming back and, and I kept saying to my husband all the time, like everything's changed and still, everything's the same and that paradox of of uh-huh. like there's such a big inner shift and for me it i really felt in my whole core being that first ceremony one of the biggest personal things is that i felt that i'm really good and really totally okay the way i am i don't have uh-huh. to change anything i don't have to and there was always this deep pain inside of me of not being good enough yeah and really feel in that ceremony I'm, I'm really good enough and and yeah that changed so much because my inner critic who was always really present became much more soft and compassionate and I learned to work with it throughout the years but it was like really like that that shift was immense and of and I felt that like a remembrance what I think I'm, everyone's born with the knowledge that we are all connected, everything and and all is connected and interconnected. Like and not only human beings, but everything on this earth that has a soul. Or, and I was remembered of that. Like, but it was really a remembering. It was not like, oh, this is new. But it's really like, right. oh, you know, I've always known this. I was born with this. I've I've known this for 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 lives before, and I really got remembered. Yeah, there's this odd sensation when there's wisdom that's revealed to you and it truly feels like it's something that you're remembering as opposed to something that you're experiencing for the first time. There's this almost like this like nostalgia attached to it. And you're like, oh, I forgot this. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how there's this difference in the feeling of wisdom that feels new and wisdom that feels like it's a remembering. Yes. Yes. And yeah. And it's, it's also, I don't know if you uh, can relate to that as well. Is that this, also this energy, like, like, Oh my God, I forgot. It's totally okay that you forgot because you can always remember this really strong, big grounding, loving, motherly energy quite impersonal at the same time is that 
everything is okay just the way it is, you know? It's all okay, like this really big mama. Yeah, so that's uh, that's also one of my uh, experiences. But I, I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, it's really different if you remember something or it's it's a new experience, yeah. And what was the path from that first time that you drank to when you knew that it was time for you to start to host these ceremonies yourself? Yeah, well, that happened really organically. So, I, and that's that happens a lot that I encounter people in my life or I have experiences, and I just follow the flow, and then I end up doing what I do. So, these these people I met who work with the ayahuasca, they had a, they have an organization, still have in the Netherlands. And they said to me, well, you can come and guide sometimes with us. They were, were doing groups and then they needed guides to, to assist in the ceremonies. And I was like, yeah, okay, I love that because I love the energy. And But a lot of people who wanted to do that in the organization were asking them, you know, can I come and guide? And they asked me and I was like, yeah, okay. I was really open to it, but not like, yeah. So I did that for a couple of times and I really loved it. And I loved the energy and I loved the organization. And, and then... Um, they also uh, knew that uh, about my background. And they said, yeah, with your background, you, you might as well leave the ceremonies as well in a while. And I was like, yeah, maybe, okay, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. I was also a bit cautious because I had a, came out of a, a partnership with people that didn't end that well. So I was a bit like, mm, I don't want to rush into something again. So they gave me a lot of space and time. And then... Yeah, at a certain moment they say, yeah, you want you want to conduct a ceremony or lead a ceremony yourself, and I say, yeah, and I did it, and and yeah, it, it's the the one place when I when I'm doing um, the ceremony and also like I call the whole retreat. Yeah? So for me, it's like I said, it's with the preparation and integration. I feel like a fish in the water. There's my inner critic is totally gone. You know, yeah. it's. It, it's amazing that I feel it's so effortless. It's so inspiring. It's so heart opening. It's really, yeah. So I, apparently I'm quite good at it, but um, yeah. And, and so I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And what I did for a couple of years, because we had the Dutch organization and then I set up the whole international branch because a lot of people from abroad wanted to come to the Netherlands to experience it. And I did that for a couple of years. And then like one and a half years ago, I felt, okay, it's time for a change again because I'm really into only into the organize, organization thing and not so much in the content anymore. And I was in a partnership again and it was not, it started, I don't know that word. It, it was not, yeah, we grew apart. So then one and a half years ago, I said, no, I'm going to really start doing it by myself, my own organization. So I started that one and a half years ago and I experienced much more freedom now. And also I've also do less ceremonies now because I, I really want to give it all my energy and I need time in between to recuperate and to, yeah. so yeah, I've really created a life now that I can really feel what I need and how I need it. And yeah, and it's amazing. I have ceremonies here in the Netherlands and in Portugal, and I'm going to Costa Rica and maybe to uh, the States also next year. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm actually going to Costa Rica to do my first ayahuasca experience in November. Oh, really? Nice. Are you excited? 
I am um, excited isn't the right word. I feel like mm. I'm saying yes to the call to adventure and that I'm going to do everything that I can to show up, you know, clean and full yeah. and then just bow yeah. before the mother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good uh, way to go in. I'm curious from, from the ceremonies that you've been doing, um, what are some of the like insights and um, patterns that you're seeing? Um, like, so what I'm, what I'm thinking is that because you're getting to see all these people in person dance mm -hmm. with the spirit of ayahuasca, that it's revealing mm -hmm. like, what are the common symptoms that our culture seems to be doing to us that people are coming to work through? Like, are you seeing common patterns of like people's ex um, experiences? You mean why they want to do, why they coming to ceremonies or what they experience during ceremonies? Like what they work through in the ceremonies. Like, are you seeing any patterns? Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what, what I see, what the, a lot of the themes, common themes are, are really like, I think universal human themes is that people feel disconnected um, from their selves, from their, yeah, you can call it heart or essence or soul, I, I, whatever you call it, your, their higher selves. And that you see during the ceremonies that they find that connection again. And it starts with reconnecting with themselves. And from there, they, yeah, they connect with others. What you like common thing, what almost happens with everybody is that it really opens your heart. Um, so the the stuff that is between you and the outer world normally is is gone. Um, 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 a feeling of belonging. Um, you see that a lot. Um, acceptance. I think. I, I think for me the the, the basic. Of the most, how do you say that in English? The most essential thing is that people start really start accepting themselves and therefore yeah. accepting circumstances and other people and and yeah, compassion. Those are the words. And and what I see, and that's also how I try to help people prepare. Is like you say, go in as open as possible. I always say is let, is let yourself be guided by the medicine plants. So sometimes it not happens a lot, but sometimes really people come in, especially most of them are men. They come in quite cocky, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do the ayahuasca. And, uh, da, 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 and they have really rough. Really <laughs> yes. It's, it, it really asks for humbleness. And most people, they drink it, they, 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 they start noticing the first effects and they know immediately that that's what's needed. And some people are really like, I don't know how you say that. Um, stubborn. Stubborn. Or, yeah. And they just, I had a woman also once and she said, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm gonna, I, I want her to show me how strong she is. Well, and then she ended up doing this most horrific experience. And in the end, yeah, okay, she's tougher than me. And I was like, yeah, well, probably she had that. She needed that experience. Yeah. 
a lot see is that they they're they're re- and, and that's always what what is touching me is that people are really like you say are willing to bow for something that is greater and beyond them and let let them self be led and guided into what is needed at that moment in their life amen yeah i'm, I'm curious it's what really hard here yeah Sorry. What advice would you give to someone who is about to go do their first ayahuasca experience? The, the, what I was saying is that you go in as open as possible. And I, I'm always saying to people, don't go in without any expectations because that's not humanly possible. You always have expectations. Try to go in as open as possible. And um, it really depends on, because what I try to do with everyone before they're coming, if, if, if they're coming for the first time, is have a Skype call and then just see what is needed in, 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 like you say, you meditate in your journal and you do stuff like that. Some people don't do any of that things. And then I advise them to do hair journaling, meditation, and being out in nature and making sure you have enough rest, uh, eat healthy. That, but those are the more common things. But yeah, when you go into ceremonies, and it depends. Some people are like, yeah, they want to read everything about it and see every movie, like every right. YouTube about it, you know. And for some people, that's that's okay, and that's what they need. And other people, I advise like, stop it, you know, stop the reading, stop, and just go into it because it's just one way of the mind who, that wants control. Right. And you cannot control this experience. You cannot. You can try, but then you then you have just yeah, you're struggling all the time. It's really giving up and surrendering. And it's and when you do that, when you're able to do surrender it to it, it's it's so incredibly profound and healing and, and yeah. what you get. But yeah, for most people, that's really uh, hard and a challenge to surrender. It took me quite some time after the ceremony. I'm sorry, please go on, my bad. No, I was just saying, it took me quite some time, my first ceremony, because I was trying to surrender with my mind, and that's not possible. (laughs) So I was lying there, I surrender, I surrender. Well, no. And at one point, you do. She takes over, the medicine takes over, and uh, yeah, then you do surrender. And what does integration for you look like? It, for me, it looks a lot like the preparation. So um, you you keep journaling, meditating, taking a rest. And uh, um, what I always say to people is that you are really, most people are really in touch with what they need during ceremonies, but also right after a ceremony. Yeah. So try to stay in touch with that and then feel what you need. And it's really, it, it goes from, what you literally take in, like food and and and, and yeah, drinks and stuff like that, but also what you take in um, information uh, and information. So, which people are good for you to be around with? Which which uh, activities are good for you to be around with? And really stay true to yourself. Um, and. I always advise people to either write about it if that's your thing, but some people yeah. don't have that the writing. So then you can paint, paint, or uh, uh, express it in some 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 kind, and don't try to analyze it right away. Some people who are really analytic, analytic or really um, that would probably be my I problem. 
Yeah, so that would be good advice to you. That don't don't do. I, I always say that right after a ceremony to people, don't start sharing it with everybody right away. You know, really feel into if you want and if you need that, and yeah. see if you can can let go of the analyzing as long as possible. And and yeah, it's just really. It's for me. It's I always call it a feminine energy, the ayahuasca, mm-hmm. like a yin energy, um, and just trust the process. And then you feel what is needed. You can feel that. Tap into that. Have there been people that there's been a situation that's arisen where you like had to ask them to leave? Like, um, like, do you do multi-day drinking or is it one day? Yeah, I sometimes do. Yeah. Um, have, have you ever had a situation where you had to ask someone to like leave? Um, no. Yeah, I had once, um, with, and that's also one of the reasons I have a preparation day because then I, especially when you do it for the first time, setting is really for me essential. Yeah. And I work also with ayahuasca in a more Western way. I don't know how to say it. I would never call myself a shaman. I was not trained as a shaman. And, and you know, but but I work with the medicine plant in combination with all the, the education and all the life experience I had in a more Western approach. Um, and I have the preparation day as well to really tune into people to see if they fit in. I once had a, uh, uh, there was a man and we did the dance workshop and he stepped out and I thought he was going to the bathroom. And my ha- my husband happened to guide with me at that time. And then we looked out of the window and we saw him drive away. Whoa. So that was his own choice. It was too much. And, and, and you always also say later, but that was totally not what he had expected. And I have one, I, only once, but that, that was during the breath work that I could totally not um, get uh, got a connection with someone. He was really overwhelmed by all the energy in the room and he left and he, he was not, I, I couldn't communicate with him. I couldn't. And then I said, yeah, I, I'm not going to uh, serve you the ayahuasca the next day. But that for me, that was only once. But I have a pretty good intuition. So most of the time when people send an email, sometimes I can already feel like, mm, I don't know. And yeah. then I have a Skype call and then we all have the preparation day. So but I never had it after like one ceremony. Sometimes people after one ceremony, they leave, but it's most of the time because they say this was so complete and so totally I'm going home now. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my loved ones. And uh, so they don't leave out of disappointment. They leave because it's so perfect. After one day they leave. That happens sometimes. Yeah. I'm curious. What is your favorite movie at this point in your life like what's the one that resonates with you the most um hmm. i yeah i really yeah it sounds a bit now i feel like oh it's not original but i really love the lord of the rings movies i've saw them like many 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 times also together with my son um yeah what one comes to mind now but it's quite old and i've seen it like very long time ago but i really loved that movie was one flew over the cuckoo's nest Mm. um 
Yeah, I don't know. It comes to mind. And you ask me just to answer what comes to mind. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so yeah. I'm really interested. If um, how, how would you retell that story? One who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, yeah, what I remember of it is that there, there are a, a bunch of people who are in a, a psychiatric hospital together. And there's this really, really nasty nurse who doesn't treat them as people, but only as patients who need medication and, and really strict and really by the rules. And you get to know those people and their vulnerabilities and their, their, yeah, their craziness. But you really, I really started to love them because of those. And I really love crazy people. So that's because <laughs> I think, yeah, why I love that movie. And what, and, and one of the, main characters is um is there and he 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 sees them as real people he sees them as friends and he's not following any rules and he's breaking he they're going like uh, escaping one day and they go on a, a field trip together and one of them is eating worms i remember it was really funny and he it, he's 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 breaking the whole oh i know now why i love this movie so much he's breaking the whole you know like patterns how it should be and how we perceive people who are differently than we are uh, so he, he sets a totally different perspective and in the end I remember that he he gets drugged somehow he, he does something and he gets drugged and then they want to have some some kind of they do some kind of brain surgery on him on the, this main character this rebel and he's totally then like a like like a plant he's not he is living, but he's only breathing and he's no emotions anymore. And then this really big Indian guy comes. He's also one of the residents there, but he doesn't talk. And he comes and he he um, smothers him with a pillow. He he kills him, but it's not not, not killing. That's but he's 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 fr- setting him free. Yeah. And and that was I cried my eyeballs out of that movie. It was so incredibly touching and so beautiful what that indian native indian guy does to to the, like the, the the rebel he's really setting him free and um i remember that and i think at the end the, the native indian guy also escapes he's really strong and he, he he lifts something up and he throws it through the oh yeah he throws it through the window he's with beautiful music and then and then you see him running in the moonlight you see him running away yeah. Oh, I remember it really vividly now. I love that movie. That's beautiful. Yeah. And the thing that comes up in me is the nurse feels like a representation of modern Western approach to people with any yeah. type of psychological quote unquote disorder. The main character feels like you're animus and it's what you're yeah. doing now with ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can. Re- it really resonates when you say that. Yeah, and for me, it's also really about. I really love. I, I really love people, but I'm also always interested in to see the other perspective. You know, I, my first job was in a prison with people with with also got like I don't know how you call it in America, but they also have this like psychiatry, but it's also prison. 
Yeah. And I remember working there and, 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 and I was really young at that moment and I couldn't really express it, but I felt all the time like, yeah, it's really easy. Like we are the, the good ones and we are the one treating them and they are the bad guys. And I, I always felt like, no, they're like mirrors, you know, in yeah. the end we're the same, but we want to keep them like they're us. It's like the shadow. It's not us, but it's, it's us, you know, you're everything. You're every, every aspect of them was also in me. And I had a different lifestyle and a different. I made different choices in my life, but I always felt in that I, I worked there only for three years. But I, looking in hindsight, I could always feel like, yeah, but that's what is missing, that we are not willing to really see them as mirrors and realize that that we could have been at that side just as well, you know, Absolutely. and really trying to understand them and, and feel compassion. Um, um, yeah, so that's that's yeah, it really resonates what you're saying, and I like mm-hmm. him as my animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's a really good one. <laughs> the way I like yeah. to end the podcast is to ask some word association questions. So, would you be open to just um, saying whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind when you hear the word or the phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the word or phrase that captures your life philosophy? Um, yeah, finding the joy in life. What is the Everybody. word or phrase that cuts to the core of who you are? Mm. Um, love. What are you most afraid of? Mm, what am I most afraid of? Losing the ones I love the most. What is your most persistent problem? <laughs> oh, what is my most persistent problem? I think that I can take myself too seriously sometimes. Same. Uh, street smart or analytic? Fast or slow-paced environments? Slow-paced. Rule follower or risk taker? Mm, Risk taker. Is your need for control low, medium, or high? Uh, Medium. Are you more critical of yourself or of others? Myself. Fast or slow choices? Mm, Fast. Pressure comes from? Um, Pressure comes from stress. And what does pressure feel like in the body? Uh, Tightness in my chest. In my tribe, I'm a queen, a warrior, a magician, or a lover. A queen. It all comes down to. Love and acceptance. Success is. Yeah, living a purposeful life. Love is. Yeah, love love is 
everything. Love is the key. Love is essential. Love is what makes the world go round. Love is what is needed so much. My vision. Yeah, is that there's good in every person. They only have to remember. I am. Grateful. My purpose. Um, my purpose is to help, uh, to support people in the process of acceptance and um, be loving towards themselves. But it, it has to do with acceptance. The most defining moment of my life. Um, was when I uh, gave birth to my son. And this is the last question and it has a couple of parts. Let's say that you have lived a full life and you know that you're going to die the next day peacefully in your sleep. How mm -hmm. would you want to spend that last day? Who would you want to be there? And if you got to write a single note to your son, what would you say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That really touches me, those questions. Um, I would like to spend the day in out in nature with sun. There have to be sun, so I have to travel for that. Uh, I will travel for that. <laughs> and um, bare feet, um, good food, and with the people I love. So that's definitely my husband and my son and my family and my closest friends and um yeah laughing making music dancing i would definitely dance on my last day here on earth and um laughing a lot and uh, having good talks and um yeah what i would say to my son um Yeah, what would I say to him? Like a message to him? Of, uh, yeah, like if you could write like, one thing on a piece of paper and leave it for him, what would it be? Yeah, that, that he's good enough the way he is. And, um, that the most important thing in life is to love and to be compassionate towards yourself and others and that all the other stuff you think matter doesn't matter that much gee thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for doing what you do in the world mm, thank you so much for inviting me yeah it was an honor thank you